Welcome to the Life Study of Leviticus, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Our entire Life Study of the Bible has nearly 2,000 messages, almost eight years of radio programs, and today we're in the Old Testament book of Leviticus. Many Christians pass over the fine points in this book, but the Lord has revealed many details of our precious Christ in Leviticus. Please stay with us as we discuss some of these riches from today's Life Study of Leviticus. Psalm 36 verse 9 says, For with thee is the fountain of life, in thy light we see light. The Old Testament offerings from Leviticus, when properly applied in our New Testament walk with the Lord, will bring us to experience Christ as the very fountain of life. But this life now brings us into the light, God's light, and in his light we see even more clearly our true condition and how short we are and how in need we are of the very Christ God has provided us to be our offering, to bring us more into God's presence. Well, this marvelous cycle of the divine life is once again our focus on today's life study from Leviticus. And joining us for uh, this focus on the practical experience of Christ is Bob Danker. Bob, welcome back to the program. Chris, it's good to be back with you again for this life study of Leviticus. And today we're going to see something concerning the meal offering And this is a wonderful offering for us to enjoy Christ. And uh, as you mentioned here, this is related to the cycle of life. Right. And that's related to our walking in the light. And, of course, as you said, God is light. We tried to condense this cycle, Bob, into that short uh, opening. I hope that in the 26 minutes that we have together today to fellowship over these points, this cycle will become more clear to our listeners because it's a marvelous, I would say, encapsulation of the Christian life, the Christian experience, isn't it? It is, Chris. This is really the Christian life. We walk in the light. God shines in us. Mm -hmm. And then this leads us to enjoy Christ as the offerings. And then we have more life. And this life brings us more light, right? and we get more shining That's right. and more brought to Christ as our offerings. It just goes on as a cycle. It's wonderful. One of the points, Bob, we want to look at today is that the meal offering you mentioned included a portion for the priests to eat and to enjoy, as well as the portion that was offered to God for his satisfaction. The point is that the common people were not allowed to eat of the meal offering in the Old Testament, only the priests. So let's talk for a minute before we join Witness Lee Bob about just what it means to be a priest in the New Testament. Are we really talking about a particular special class of people set aside as they were in the Old Testament? Well, Chris, this is a very important question you have just asked about the relationship between the New Testament believers and the priesthood. And in order for us to answer this adequately, we need to go back to the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. I'm referring to the book of Exodus. When God brought his people out of Egypt, he brought them into the wilderness, and he brought them to Mount Sinai, and he prepared to give them the law. So before he actually gave them the law, he spoke some words to them, very loving words. And in chapter 19 of Exodus, verse 6 God told them that he would make them 
the entire nation of Israel, mm-hmm. including every individual part of that nation, a kingdom of priests. Wow. God's intention was not to have a special class of his people. His intention was to make the entire nation a kingdom of priests. This really brings us into what God's intention or desire is. God wants all his people to serve him as priests, as clearly indicated even in the Old Testament. Right. So the question is, why do we have only one tribe of the 12 tribes of Israel serving as priests? Well, of course, that goes back again to the situation at Mount Sinai when God was giving the law to Moses. While he was decreeing the Ten Commandments, the people were at the bottom of the mountain. They were breaking all the Ten Commandments. They were worshiping the golden calf. And after that, Moses came down, and only one of the twelve tribes stood on God's side, stood with Moses. And so God rewarded that tribe by making that tribe the priestly tribe. But in the very beginning, that wasn't God's intention. God's intention was that the entire nation would be a nation of priests. Now, when we come to the New Testament, what do we find? Do we find a priestly class of people and another class called the common people? Not at all. We find that in the New Testament, God has gone back to the very beginning, to his original intention And he has made, again, all the New Testament believers priests. We can see this in 1 Peter 2, verse 5 and 9, which mention that we are a royal priesthood. Mm. All of us are being built together into a spiritual house, into a holy priesthood. That's verse 5. Then verse 9 says we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is not talking about a particular class of believers. This is referring to every genuine born-again believer. And then when you go to the last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation, chapter 1, it says that Christ shed his blood for us and made us a kingdom of priests. And then the same thing in chapter 5 of Revelation. So here you can see a clear indication in the New Testament that God was going back to the very original intention that he had when he brought his people Israel out of Egypt. He wanted to have all his people serving him as priests, a kingdom, a nation of priests. That's critically important, Bob, that you develop this for our listeners. When we use this term or when they hear this term priests, we're not talking about a priestly class, a special class. We are talking about God's people today. All of the believers in Christ are the real priests in the New Testament. So all of these words are applicable to us. That's right, Chris. And now the book of Leviticus becomes our book. It's not a book written for a class of people. It's a book written to every child of God. So when we read Leviticus concerning all the offerings and the priests who offered those offerings and enjoyed those offerings together with God, we're reading about ourselves and what we should be experiencing. Bob, we opened up by talking about how the meal offering had a portion for God and a portion for the priests. Let's look at that in chapter 6 of Leviticus before we join Witness Lee. At verse 14, it says, And this is the law of the meal offering. The sons of Aaron shall present it before Jehovah, before the altar. And, of course, the sons of Aaron were the priests in Leviticus in the Old Testament. 
and one shall take up from it his handful of the fine flour of the meal offering, and of its oil, and all the frankincense which is on the meal offering, and he shall burn it on the altar for a satisfying fragrance as its memorial portion to Jehovah. And what is left of it, Aaron and his sons may eat. Let's join Witness Lee. Now we come to the law, the regulation, or the statute of the meal offering. First of all, I'd like to uh, remind you all, the meal offering is not a kind of common food for common people. Yes, the meal offering is a kind of food for people, not for common people. For whom? Only for the priests. And in typology, today, we, the New Testament Christians, believers, everyone is a priest. This portion for the priest uh, to be eaten indicates Christ being mealed to us is only for us to serve God as a priest. But we do know today too many real believers they are priests of God in name not in actuality. In their daily life they are not praised to serve God but I don't mean that we all need to be a foot hammer then we become a priest. We are a priest by our regeneration. Then from that time onward we should live a life as God's priests serving God. And we serving God as priests sometimes as a school teacher, sometimes as a businessman, sometimes as a professor, sometimes as a medical doctor. We could be people in all kinds of proper business. Yet we do those things in the real sense of being a priest to God. You are there practicing medicine, yet your practicing of the medicine is a practice of the uh, priestly service. You could, in your practicing of the medicine, you could uh, bring people to Christ. And I saw some doctors, the brothers, they were just like this. And I found out they are the best ones to bring the patient to Christ. Because most of the patients will listen to the doctors. In business, the same thing. The main thing is not to do business. The main thing is to serve God there. Amen. They talk, they talk, they talk, they talk people, either to Christians, minister life to them or to the unbelievers preaching the gospel to them. I have a real burden to beg you to come back to your heavenly calling, priest of God. And the first duty, the first service of the priestly service must be to bring sinners to offer to God as some offerings. We must do this. What kind of believers are we here? Priestly believers are what? 
common believers. Bob, as you went through earlier, just by believing in the Lord, our initial salvation, that's enough to make us priests according to the facts of the New Testament. But it's easy for us to excuse ourselves, I think, from having a priestly living day to day because while we have a secular occupation, we have a family, we have all of these responsibilities. So we leave it to the pastor or full-time workers to be the priests in reality. How about this, Bob? Does a secular job relieve us of this aspect of our priestly responsibility? Well, Chris, certainly it does not in the eyes of God. As you mentioned, we are priests, in fact, because we are children of God, and all the children of God are priests of God. So now what should we do? Regardless of our occupation, as Witness Lee pointed out, maybe you're a doctor, maybe you're a businessman, or maybe you're a mother at home with your children. Right. Regardless of our occupation in our daily life, we should not excuse ourselves and say, well, I can't serve as a priest because I'm a doctor. Actually, whatever we may do as a profession should not be our main work. Our main work is not to do business. Mm -hmm. Our main work is to serve God as priests. So we need the right concept concerning ourselves because most people don't see themselves as priests. So, of course, they think that their profession is to be a businessman. But actually— The real profession of all God's children is to serve God as a priest. This is what we should do 24 hours a day. Right. Bob, the meal offering was for the males among the sons of Aaron. And the males signify, uh, in typology, the strong ones among God's people. Let's look at verse 18 in chapter 6. It says, Every male among the children of Aaron shall eat of it. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Every male among the sons of Aaron eating of the meal offering, signifying that the partakers of Christ as supply should be strong in life. I hope none of us would be disappointed. Some may say, okay, I am not strong in life. I just quit. I resign. If so, I think probably I'll have to resign. And what shall we do? Nearly every day, I make strong petition to the Lord. Lord, have mercy upon us all. This is all what we need. Our situation, our condition is good for nothing. Probably good for the Lord's mercy. Our situation is only good for Him to be merciful to us. Actually, according to this statute, this law of the meal offering, we are really not that qualified. We are not the male among Aaron's sins. We are not the stronger one in life among the saints. It is the stronger one in life that is qualified to enjoy Christ as a meal offering. Regardless how much we feel we have enjoyed Christ daily, actually, according to the real fact, we didn't enjoy that much because we have a problem in life. Still so young, still so feeble in life, we are not the proper males. 
what we are, God knows. We cannot say that today we are properly strong in the divine life. So, Lord, have mercy upon us all. This is all what we need. Bob, I believe what we just heard really illustrates this cycle of life that we talked about at the opening today. Uh, And once again, how that is, as we experience Christ as our offering, that brings us into God's presence. And of course, God is the light in all the universe. And in his light, we see our condition even more clearly. And that makes us even more critically aware of our need for Christ. And the cycle continues, Bob. When we get in this cycle and we begin to see, we really get a realization, we really aren't that strong, are we? That's right, Chris. When we compare ourselves in God's light to the standard that is presented here in the book of Leviticus concerning who is qualified to eat the meal offering, well, who's qualified? The priests. That means we need to serve God as a priest. Right. How much do we really serve God? And then the next qualification here we just heard about is that we need to be a male, which signifies one who is strong in life, not in the human life, but in the divine life. Mm -hmm. And when we examine ourselves again in God's light, we find out that we are short. So what should we do? Well, we can't resign. So as Witness Lee says, (laughs) none of us should resign. We should not say, "I, I quit. No, we should just say, Lord, have mercy on me. The Lord is rich in mercy, and we need his mercy all the time. We are not qualified, so we need the Lord's mercy. We have a very uh, sober and, I would say, touching segment in this final portion today, Bob. Witness Lee's own speaking. Uh, I think it will speak for itself. Why don't we join him? To enjoy Christ as a meal offering, this enjoyment is in relation Wait, the priestly service. How much you are actually a priest serving God. That is the measurement of the quantity of your enjoyment of Christ. Your feeling is not the measurement. Feeling is just something there. It's all dependent upon the actuality of the priestly service. We are priests, but our priestly service is of a big problem. My intention is a loving intention to let you know that you have reconsidered your way. Don't think you are okay. Don't think you are right. I'm fearful and trembling to say this to you, as I say this to me nearly every day. I have to reconsider my situation. I have to reconsider my way. This is serious. And none of us knows when we will go. Anytime, any day, the Lord could lead you to go. Do you know when we will leave this earth? We don't know. We should be born. Anytime, once the Lord takes us away, whatever we will do, it will be too late. It's a serious matter. And we have been told clearly that after we go, we go to rest, waiting for his coming back. And we know, we're told clearly, at his coming back, he'll set up a judgment seat. We all have to stand there 
Firstly, we have to confess all the words that came out of our mouth when we were on this earth. So I would say just be careful what you are speaking, saying while you are on this earth. So I say I'm fearful and trembling to tell you the truth. I don't like just here to be an expositor of the Bible. I like to minister the word in a living and enlightening way. I like all of you dear ones to see some light, to be enlightened. The light mostly concerns yourself. Then the light concerning the church. Then the light concerning God, New Testament economy. I pray this for you all. I don't like just to see you have heard my message. I like to see that we must be brought into a kind of enlightenment, a kind of shining over you, and shining from within you, and shining around you, and shining through you. The crucial thing is to be in light. Never forget the first three offerings, burn offering, meal offering, and peace offering, bring us into light. It is in that enlightenment that we see our sin, that we see our sins. This is what we need. Regardless you are an old saint or you are just a young one. Regardless how many years you have been saved, maybe 50 years or just five months. Regardless, we all need to be enlightened. We all need to be brought into the divine light. Thank the Lord. We are not worldlings in darkness all the time. We are the children, the sons of light. So we must be in light. We must be first care about ourselves, then about God's economy. This is what I am expecting to see. Bob, we've seen this portion about the universal priesthood of the believers. We've seen that it's the stronger ones among God's people that are qualified. And now we have this exposing of our real condition. Tie these things together for us. Yes, Chris. In this message, Witness Lee is talking about our enjoyment of Christ as the meal offering. And in speaking about this, he sets forth the conditions for us to enjoy Christ as the meal offering. And the first condition as you mentioned already, is that we would serve God as priests. The second condition is that we need to be the stronger ones in life among God's people. So if we look at our experience, we realize we do enjoy Christ to some extent as our life supply, but we are also short of the enjoyment of Christ. We don't enjoy him that much. Why? Because we don't serve God as priests that much. And we're not that strong in life. Now, we need to see that it's God's light, God's shining in our hearts that makes us see our need and our shortage. So Witness Lee here points out that the light of God exposes our real condition, where we really are. We may think we're okay, but we're really not okay. God's light shows us 
where we are lacking. And that really was his word here in this last section for us to reconsider our ways because there's a consequence, isn't there? We all have to give an account. That's right. This is a sobering word that Witness Lee presented to us, and this motivates us to open to the Lord today that he would enlighten us today so that we don't wait until that day. If we are enlightened today, then we can receive mercy today. Then our situation can improve, and we could enjoy Christ more as our meal offering. And the more we see of ourselves, the more we realize what a Christ we have. Amen. I agree with that. Bob, this was very helpful fellowship today. I think this is an important program in this life study of Leviticus from the very outset when we uh, touch this matter of the priesthood, realizing this is our book to its conclusion through this cycle of life and bringing us back to the very Christ whom God has provided. Wonderful time. Thank you, Bob. It's a pleasure to be here, Chris. We invite you to contact us. I'll leave you with our toll-free number and that invitation, which we sincerely mean. The number you can reach us is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814, or email to radio at lsm.org. Join us again next week. We continue our life study of Leviticus. We hope you're here with us for all of our programs then. For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. printed Life Study of Leviticus is available in a four-volume set with a total of 64 messages. Call 1-800-549-5164 to get your copy today. That's 1-800-549-5164.